there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. I want us to look at the capacity of God's presence. The capacity of God's presence. What do we mean by capacity? Capacity is what something can produce. When I say you have capacity, it simply means that you have the ability to produce something. So we are going to look at the ability of God's presence. The presence of God is not just for us to feel good about it, but the presence of God comes into our lives to fulfill a specific purpose. The presence of God brings transformation in our lives. The Bible says in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Somebody shout mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy, he will rest in his love, and he will joy over thee with singing. I'm reading from the KJV translation of the Bible. There are two things that we see in this verse, in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The first thing is mighty. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. The Lord your God in your midst is mighty. So when the presence of God comes in our lives, we interact with the mightiness of God. So mighty simply means possessing great and impressive power or strength. When God's presence comes in our midst, I'm telling you, we interact with his power and with his strength. We, we, we test of his mightiness. God's presence has a show of might. When his presence shows up, we experience the greatness of God's power and his strength. We see his impressive power and strength in our lives. You see, the Bible even says that by the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging water stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. You can see that there is power and there is strength that we experience when God's presence shows up in our lives. The second word that we see in this scripture in Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17, the Bible says he will save. Somebody say he will save. May he save somebody in this house in the name of Jesus. Now, saving speaks of salvation. His presence. When God comes, we don't just experience his power and strength, but we also experience salvation. His presence saves us from destruction, affliction, and even eternal death. These two words reveal the capacity of God's presence. We experience the mightiness of God, and at the same time, we experience his salvation. So God's presence has capacity. There is power attached to it. There is strength attached to it. And there is salvation attached to the presence of God. Now, salvation is a package. There are so many things in salvation. There is healing in salvation. There is joy in salvation. There is peace in salvation. There is deliverance in salvation. There is breakthrough in salvation. There is healing in salvation. There is, there is peace in salvation. There is promotion in salvation. There is prosperity in salvation. There is productivity in salvation. There is uh, fruitfulness in salvation. There is 
progress in salvation. Salvation is a package. There are so many things in salvation. So when the presence of God shows up, I want you to know that you are standing right in the middle of a package of blessings. His might is there. His strength is there. His power is there. But also his salvation is there. So the capacity of the presence of God is for the following. Number one, creation. Somebody shout creation. His power creates things. His power, his strength has the ability to create things and to create things that are not even in existence. God doesn't need, you know, raw materials for him to create whatever he desires to create. He can create something out of nothing. He can make something exist out of nothing because he's not limited to raw materials. His presence is powerful. His presence has the capacity to create something out of nothing. Let's go together to Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1. Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1. The Bible says, in the beginning, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 2. <clears throat> and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the earth was without form. Somebody shout form. Shout void. And shout darkness. The earth was without form. Shout form. Void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit, the presence of God was there. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So no matter how chaotic your life is, it cannot intimidate the moving of his presence in your life. As much as the earth was void, without form, and filled with darkness, it didn't stop the spirit of God from moving upon the face of of the waters. That's what I'm telling you. His presence has capacity to create something out of nothing. Now, three words here that I want us to look at from this verse in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. That the earth was without form. That means it was shapeless. You remember your uh, geometry. Do you remember your geometry? Do you remember your geometry? Ask your neighbor, did you go to school? Huh? You remember the list of geometric shapes? Circle, triangle, oval, rectangle, rhombus, square, trapezium, and para? Eh? Oh, Lord. Your neighbor is challenged. <laughs> Please ask, ask your neighbor to pronounce that shape Parallelogram pa. Alright, let's move on swiftly We don't want somebody to lose their tongue so, so when you look in the world You see all these shapes in the world Triangle, rectangle, rhombus All these are in the world today But also you need to understand that Even human beings have shapes Ask your neighbor, what's your shape? For example, we have ectomorphs. These are people who are long and lean. 
with little body fat and little muscles. And then we have the endomorphs. These ones have a lot of body fat, a lot of muscle, and they gain weight easily. And then we have the mesomorphs. These ones are athletic, they are solid, and they are strong. And we have ladies who are very athletic. Isn't it? Marry them at your own risk. Anyway, let's move on quickly. For, 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 for. <laughs> it was a joke, I'm sorry. For those who don't understand all these things, people, people have different shapes. There are people who look like Johnny Bravo. You know Johnny Bravo? They are wide up here. All right? And there are people who are just straight, like this pole. They are just... There are people who have calves. Isn't it? Hallelujah. What do you think about your neighbor? What do you think? Where do they belong? Are they straight? Are they like Johnny Bravo? <laughs> but you see, can you imagine the earth was without form? It didn't have any shape. It was just this big amorphous, you know, mass of a thing. No shape. You couldn't actually tell the shape of the earth. Secondly, the Bible says the earth was with, uh, the earth was void rather. It was void. It was not just without form, but it was also void. Void simply means completely empty. The earth was an empty space. Nobody was there. Nobody was living there. There was nothing in it. No tree, no river, no mountain, no nothing. It was a shapeless, but also it was an empty uh, piece of mercy. Human beings were not there. There was no flora and fauna. There were no mountains. There was no grass. There were no creatures. It was like a ghost city. Nobody was actually there. Then thirdly, the earth was covered with darkness. You see, light play, plays a very big role in our lives today, isn't it? You see, even if you have eyes, if there's no light, you cannot see. Have you ever tried to walk in darkness? No matter how wide you open your eyes, you can't see where you're going. So light is very important. The earth was without form, the earth was empty, and the earth was filled with darkness. So you couldn't see your way out, you couldn't see the shape of the earth, and there was nothing that existed in the earth. But something else happened in that verse, and the spirit of the Lord, hallelujah, and the spirit of the Lord or of God moved upon the face of the waters. In the midst of this confusion, in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this ambiguity, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the earth. And then when you go down there, verse 4, then God said, let there be light. When the presence of God articulated the desire of God, things began to happen. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Without a raw material, there was light. And God continued 
you know, creating. Look at, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. When you read down there, God started speaking things. He spoke grass into place. He spoke creatures into place. He spoke the fish in the water. He spoke uh, human beings. And there was order that was brought in this area or in this geographical location that was full of confusion and darkness. Thank God for the presence of God. When the presence of God is in your life, it doesn't matter how disorganized you are. Let me tell you, when that presence begins to work, things begin to take shape in your life. And ladies and gentlemen, these three things characterizes our lives. Three things that characterizes our lives. Number one is vagueness. 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 The earth was without form. That is vagueness. The earth was without form. That is ambiguity. The earth was without form. It didn't have any shape. And sometimes our lives feel the same. We feel that our lives have no meaning. We haven't really discovered our shape. We haven't really discovered what we are shaped for. We don't understand. We don't understand our gifts, our talents, what God has gifted us with. We don't understand our spiritual gifts. We don't understand the spiritual endowment that God has put inside of us. Sometimes that is how we feel. We are like Moses who didn't really understand his destiny shape. He felt a tug in his spirit concerning helping the Hebrews, but he didn't know how to do it. When he tried to act on what he felt, somebody was killed. He killed an Egyptian and buried him hurriedly. When he was found out, Moses had to run to the wilderness. There was something that was tugging in his spirit. It was his destiny shape. But because he didn't know how to work it out, he killed somebody and he had to run for his life to the wilderness. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that Moses was born as a deliverer. The reason why Moses was born, he was born so that he may deliver the children of Israel out of bondage. But can you imagine when he was in the wilderness how he felt? He felt shapeless. He had lost his destiny shape in the wilderness. Whatever he felt like doing in Egypt, he thought it was over because Pharaoh was after him. The Egyptians were after him. And so he went to the wilderness and he said, I'll forget about what I felt. I'll forget about the tag in my spirit. I will settle down. And so he got to the wilderness. He married a beautiful woman. All right. And settled down and just became a shepherd. Simple guy. In the wilderness. Living a simple life. Doesn't bother anyone. He's, 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 he's running away and protecting himself. From Pharaoh and his army. So while he was there, God was not done with him yet. You see, this tells me something. You can never really run away from God. Some of you are trying to run away. Let's see how far you can go. You cannot really run away from God. God will smoke you out of your hole. He will come after you. He will chase you down. No matter where you go, he will come right where you are. Here is Moses. He has married a beautiful wife. He has children. He has settled down in the wilderness where he knows Pharaoh can't reach him, where he knows that what he felt was just something that was a figmentation of his imagination, and he has settled down. He's taking care of his ship. Then one day, 
God visited him. When you look at chapter 2, as he's there in the wilderness, settled down, then chapter 3, he stumbles into God's presence. And when you look at verse 1, Genesis, sorry, Exodus rather, chapter 3. Give me Exodus, chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. He's even working for his father-in-law. And came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Number two. Moses was working for his father-in-law. I don't know how it is to work for your mother-in-law, but I think it's easier to work for the father-in-law than working for the mother-in-law. I think so. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed. Look at verse 3. What happened? Move. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Uh-huh. Verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Verse 5, and he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest, hey, KGV is powerful, is what? Is holy ground. In other words, God was telling Moses, where you are standing, my presence is already there. Because the presence of God is holy. So you are standing in or on holy ground. I am here, Moses. You, you are seeing a bush that is burning, but I want you to understand that I am already here. So remove your shoes in reverence because you are right in the middle of my presence. Wow. The presence of God is, con is not con just confined to the church. The presence of God can show up in your life anywhere you are. They were in the wilderness. And when Moses removed his shoes... Please go back to New King James Version so that some people can understand this English. Then verse 6. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Verse 6. Verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. Because he started sensing that that was not ordinary ground. He started feeling God's presence. You see, every time you show up in God's presence, your reaction, your natural reaction is reverence. That's why you see even these seraphims that are flying in the presence of God. The Bible says, you know, they covered their faces, they covered their bodies, they covered their feet. It's a sign of reverence. Every time you show up in the presence of God, your natural reaction will be reverence. So Moses hid his face. For he was afraid to look upon God. He was in the presence of God. This is a man who has run away from his calling. He's confused. He doesn't understand his shape, his destiny shape. He doesn't understand why he was born. Then he stumbles into the presence of God and God begins to speak to him. Look at the next verse, verse 7. What does God tell him? And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt 
and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Then verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and a large land, uh, and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hevites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites and all the sites. Now, therefore, he's speaking to Moses. Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10. Come now. Come now, Moses. Therefore, and I will send you to who? To Pharaoh, that you may bring my people the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He was able to find his destiny shape in the presence of God. He had run away from Egypt, a place of his assignment, because the first time he tried to execute his purpose, he, do, he did it in a wrong way, and there were repercussions. And God comes to him, brings him into his presence, and when he was in his presence, he has removed his sandals, he is in his presence, and standing there in a posture of humility, God began to speak to him concerning his destiny shape. The presence of God will always create something out of nothing. If you're here and you don't understand your destiny shape, you don't understand why you are here, you don't understand why you are called, you don't understand your gifts and your talents, you don't understand your mission here on earth, I came to recommend the presence of God in your life. When you step into God's presence, God will open up your eyes to see why you are here. You didn't just come because your father and your mother met. You came because God has a purpose for you. He has a destiny for you. He has something that he wants you to fulfill here on earth. And if you don't know, if you don't know it, you have to step into the presence of God. And in the presence of God, you will know why you are here. In the presence of God, you will understand your destiny shape. You will know if you are a rectangle. Para. Or triangle or rhombus. <laughs> you will know your shape when you step into the presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know that there are many people who are frustrated because they don't really know who they are? They don't even understand why they're here. They don't understand their gifts. They don't understand their talents. They don't understand why God created them. They don't understand why God placed them in this generation that we are living in. I'm preaching to you so that you may understand that the only place that you can find your life's mission and purpose is in the presence of God. That is the place where God can give you your destiny shape. That is the place where you will hear the voice of God speaking to you. Look at Moses. He had lost it. He was in the wilderness. He decided to do something that God did not create him to do. Taking care of the ship. God comes and he tells him, Moses, I'm sending you back to Egypt, to the place where your assignment is. The voice came from the presence of God. May someone here who is confused find God's voice in his presence. May you hear his voice leading you 
and guiding you into the things that God wants you to do. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear louder amen? amen? Number two, another quality that characterizes our, our lives is voidness. Voidness. Voidness is when you feel empty. Have you ever felt empty? Have you ever felt some voidness inside of you? It's like you're not fulfilled, you know? Voidness or a feeling of emptiness manifests as a lack of motivation to pursue anything in life. You feel like you're running on empty. You have no more strength to fight, nothing inside to work on. You feel you're an empty vessel with nothing to offer to the world. Sometimes that's how we feel. You feel inadequate. You look at yourself, you look at who you are, you look inside of you, try to look for anything that you can work with, and there is nothing. You feel empty, you feel frustrated, and you're prone to depression. You even wonder, why was I born? Why am I here? Why should I leave? No satisfaction, no fulfillment. Nothing makes you happy. Nothing brings true fulfillment in your heart. You, have, you are empty. You are filled with voidness inside of you. Luke chapter 16 gives us the story of the prodigal son. One time he grew up and he felt mature enough to go out there, out of his father's presence, to go and explore the world. It's like there was something beyond the fence that was calling him. There was something beyond his father's, you know, homestead that was calling him. And so he told his father, I think I'm mature enough. I need to go out there and explore my gifts and explore my talents. There are opportunities out there that I feel I need to explore. Give me my money. Give me my inheritance. I want to go out there. The world is waiting for me. I'm tired of living here. I feel like here I'm restrained. I feel like here I am limited. I need to go and explore myself. So give me the portion of good that belongs to me. And of course the father gave him his inheritance and the boy set out on a journey that was full of thrill but also one that was full of wastage, abuse, and frustration. When he moved out of the presence of his father, he wasted, he squandered, you know, he misused the inheritance that his father gave him. When he moved out of the presence of his father, everything that he, you see, when he was in his father's house, in his father's presence, he was full, he was loaded. But the moment he walked out of the presence of his father, he started squandering his inheritance. He abused everything that he had and he got to a place where he became desperate. He became broke and he felt empty inside. The Bible says in verse 14, he, he spent all that he had. He spent all that his father gave him. He spent all the monies that his father gave him. He exhausted everything that his father gave him to survive out there. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. The boy became so desperate with nothing, and he was running on empty. He became so desperate that he had to look for employment. A boy that was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. A boy that was born you know, in a family that never knew poverty. All of a sudden, he was facing poverty. He was facing starvation and he went looking for a job and he got a guy there and this guy employed him to feed pigs. And whatever he was giving the pigs, that was the same thing he was eating. The boy was really desperate. All his resources had been depleted and he was running on 
empty. He was drained emotionally. His resources were drained and he was out of ideas. He didn't know what to do. He was on the brink of giving up. And one day, as he was living and feeding all this, he was living with these pigs and feeding them and eating what they were eating. One day he said, no, I am better than this. I am running on empty because I have left my father's presence. <laughs> I am desperate. I feel frustrated. I have really lowered myself to the level of pigs because I left my father's presence. And he said, wait a minute, I'm better than this. And he started seeing what happens in his father's presence. And he started seeing even the servants who are not sons, but servants who are in the presence of his father were full. Talk to me, somebody. You have to be in the spirit to catch me. Ask your neighbor, are you in the spirit? Are you understanding this message? He started thinking about all the servants who are working in the presence of his father. Look at what he says here in verse 17 to 18. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Even if I can't come back as a son, let me be in your presence as a servant. Because it doesn't matter my status. I just want to be in your... Oh, Jesus. I just want to be in your presence. My status doesn't matter. Even as a servant, I know that I'll be filled. I'll have bread. I'll have dignity. The, the emptiness inside of me will be filled. I don't even want to be a son. I just want to be in your presence. Even if I'm just a servant. You see, the presence of God, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, will fill us up with the things we are looking for. Because many of us are like this boy. We have left the presence of God and we are going out there thinking that we'll find things that will give us satisfaction. We have left the presence of God. We have left the house of God. We have left the place of prayer. We have left God and we're going out there thinking that out there we're going to get fulfillment. Look, let me tell you, I'm preaching to you so that you may come back. Like this prodigal son, when he went out there, he realized it is better to be in the presence of your father, even if you are a servant, than to be out there as a son. That's why I say I am coming back. And I need to preach to somebody this morning. I need to tell you it is time for you to come back into the presence of God. What you are looking for, you will not find it out there. What you are chasing for, you will not find it out there. You will remain frustrated. You will be emotionally drained. You will be a frustrated brother, frustrated sister. What you are looking for is in the presence of God. Your bread is in the presence of God. Your joy is in the presence of God. Your promotion is in the presence of God. Your breakthrough and victory is in the presence of God. Your provision is in the presence of God. Look at when the boy came back. When he came back, his diet changed, his clothes changed, his shoes changed. They even put a ring, bling bling, on his finger. Not because he was a son, but because he was in the presence of his father. My goodness. 
It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how far you have gone. When you show up in the presence of the Father, everything about you will change. Can I hear louder amen in this house? Give somebody a high five and tell them it's time to go back into the presence of your Father. I am calling every prodigal son. I'm calling every prodigal daughter. Aren't you frustrated enough? Aren't you tired of the life you're living? It is time for you to come back into the presence of God. Whatever you're looking for is in the presence of God. The joy you're looking for is in the presence of God. The excitement you're looking for is in the presence of God. The thrill you're looking for is in the presence of God. Number three, another thing that characterizes our lives is darkness. The earth was without form, the earth was void, and the earth was filled with darkness. Darkness, ladies and gentlemen, represents a lack of enlightenment. It is ignorance, it is illiteracy. Where you see there is no light, there is a lot of backwardness. The earth was full of darkness. And sometimes our lives are full of darkness. Yes. We are not enlightened in many things. We are not enlightened in business. We are not enlightened in marriage. We are surrounded with darkness. We are like blind men groping in darkness. But I recommend the presence of God. The Bible says, and God said, let there be light. <laughs> and God said, let there be light. This morning, God is speaking light to every dark situation. I say this morning, God is speaking light to every dark situation in your life. He's speaking light in your house. He's speaking light in your marriage. God is saying, let there be light. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 16. The Bible says, and I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. Or they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them. And crooked things straight. These things I will do unto them. And not forsake them. God is saying even for the blind. What will I do? I'm going to bring them back to our way. That they don't know. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. You see, the blind person cannot see. He needs to be guided. But God says when the light comes, even if you're blind, you'll be led. Even if you're full of illiteracy, you'll be led. Even if you don't understand a lot of things, God says, I will lead you. I will guide you because you're in my presence. He says, I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things I will do unto them. And not forsake them. Anyone surrounded with darkness, confusion, you don't know what to do. You have this situation that looks like a mountain right in front of you. Come into the presence of God. His light will guide you. His light will lead you. His light will give you direction. Hallelujah. Because a lot of Christians are blind. As a pastor, I've spoken to people and you can see this one is blind. Just because you have eyes does not mean that you understand everything. You can have eyes and you don't see. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and tell them, are you seeing what you need to see? Because many people are blind. They're so blind. 
You talk to them and you can see blindness. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going. In fact, some of them, the direction they're taking, you can see it's leading to a ditch. I invite you into God's presence. In God's presence, there is light. And that light will guide you in the right direction. I pray for you this morning. You will not blunder. You will not end up in a ditch. By reason of being in the presence of God, may the light of God shine in your situation. May the light of God shine in your life, in your home right now, in the name of Jesus. The decision you're about to make, the move you're about to make, may the light of God shine on you right now to lead you to the right direction that you may not destroy your house, you may not destroy your marriage, you may not destroy your children, you may not destroy even your testimony as a Christian. I pray that may the light of God guide you. In the name of Jesus, we all shout a big amen. Stand to your feet. I'm done. Father, guide us with your light. Somebody throw your hands up and ask God for the light. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Ask him for the light to guide you. The light to direct you. The light to be with you. You need his light. You need his light. You are in his presence. May his light lead you. Yes, may his light direct you. May his light order your steps. You are in his presence. May God bring you to the way that you don't know. May he lead you to the paths that you have never known. May he make darkness light before you. May he straighten every crooked path in your life. May his light. May his light. May his light shine. May his light shine. May his light shine. You are in his presence. May his light shine. May his light shine. May God release guidance in your life to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. May his light shine in your situation. May you see the light. In the name of Jesus. May you see the light. May you see the light. Hallelujah. Is someone here, you need the light. You're in darkness. You're surrounded with darkness. You're surrounded with confusion. You're in a dilemma. A serious dilemma. You are torn. You need guidance. You need the light. You're saying, Lord, I need you. There's a move you want to make. There's a decision you want to make. There are things you want to do. But your tongue, may the light shine. If you're that person, lift your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every hand that is lifted right now of these people who need the light. By reason of being in your presence, may your light shine in their lives right now. May your light bring direction. Direction that will lead to peace. Direction that will lead to joy. Direction that will protect them from danger in the name of Jesus. Father, they came in your presence to hear from you. May they interact with your light and may your light guide them. I pray for them that they will not make a mistake. They will not make a blunder. They will not make a decision that will plunge them into regret. In the name of Jesus, may your light guide them and direct them in the right path where your name will be glorified, where prosperity 
increase, joy, peace will be their portion in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for doing it. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. We shout a big amen. Give Jesus a mighty shout. Come on! Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazu Techero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.